0: The Internal Revenue Service will hire as many as 87,000 new employees in the next decade thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. Those employees will go to IT, returns processing, and customer experience, among other areas of the agency. Paul Tatum's Executive Vice President Solutions Engineer for Public Sector for Salesforce. Paul, welcome. It's good to talk to you again. Thanks for coming on the program. When you see the IRS hiring like that, you see other agencies that are really driving employee attention and effort toward customer experience and the white house even puts out an executive order on it what's that say to you paul welcome
1: yeah thank you francis it's good to talk to you again and thank you for having me on the show uh so it's really interesting right this has been a continual theme from government uh to really equalize the experience that we see in our personal lives with all kinds of interactions whether it be retailers banks etc and saying let's bring that experience to Government, you know I think historically, over the years we personally have been less than satisfied with some of those interactions, whether it be in our self service space our engagement space and, and governments um, you know putting kind of their money where their mouth is and really trying to to raise their game with that uh, personal experience
0: you told me before we started recording that you 've been talking to folks all around the world, governments all around the world that are trying to focus on this. Is somebody else, and you can name them, you don't have to, but is is somebody else, some other country getting this better than we are as far as how digital, experience, uh, digital transformation and customer experience tie together?
1: Yeah. You know, Francis, I get an opportunity in my role to work with, you know, governments around the world. I think they're all at about the same place. And really what they're asking themselves as they go through their digital transformation is it's obvious they want to improve their customer experience. But, you know, kind of behind that is the um, we want to reestablish or rebuild the trust that we know is needed in times of uncertainty. You know, we just got done with the pandemic. We thought we were kind of, okay, uncertainty is behind us. And lo and behold, there's economic, political, education, health, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And governments play a key role in kind of uh, addressing or stepping into that uncertainty gap. And uh, the underpinnings of that is the trust that we want to have in our governments to really help us in these times.
0: How much of that do you have a sense is from what challenges? Like, What do we know data-wise, if anything, about what generates that to then potentially think about what the solutions are?
1: So, you know, I I think that the the trust index or that kind of the, if you were to measure, you know, how is government doing in trust, uh, you know, our Salesforce research team has just concluded a a digital study on 8,000 surveyed government uh, customers and employees to say, you know, what needs to change in government to both build trust and to build, you know, kind of that digital bridge to their customers. And it would come as no surprise that, you know, the, the trust factor is way down. And when you look at us as humans, what is the anatomy of trust? It's, you know, consistency, it's transparency, it's competency. It's doing what you say you're going to do. You know, it's those small things, uh, done every day, uh, that starts to build trust. And so when you look at government services, one of the ways they know they can do this is by uh, engaging with us as customers in a consistent, transparent, competent way through the digital services. So that's a journey. So I call it the journey of trust a little bit. Um, You know, trust is not earned in a big bang. It's earned every day through small steps.
0: Does that mean that earning it back though has to happen in small steps too, or are there opportunities for government organizations to try to gain it back at a more rapid pace?
1: I I think, um, you know, for, for kind of the human behavior, kind of in my own personal experience. And I think if we look at kind of how we uh, look at trust, it is step-by-step, step. you know, the Um, I think we are typically skeptical when someone makes a big, Hey, guess what? I'm going to earn your trust back. I'm going to do something big. And you're like, okay, well, why don't we just prove it by some very small steps that I can observe, uh, see evidence of and enjoy, you know, we'll take this one step at a time. So I think it's that consistency and authenticity coming out of the services out of the communications and then saying, you know, rather than overstep our, you know, our trust, our trust, statements let's actually do what we're going to say take the small steps be consistent and uh, kind of prove it you know uh, so th- I think that's just how we operate as humans and we look for it
0: um you shot me a couple of takeaways from that report that you referenced a couple of moments ago and the one that I think has the biggest impact on on that trust element that you're talking about. It's the second one. Global crises increase digital demands. People just think completely differently about what they expect out of government now than they did in February 2020, don't they?
1: They, they really do. And, you know, when we opened up our time together, you know, I mentioned the fact that we all hope that we would be out of kind of this uncertainty of a pandemic. And I don't know, yes or no, are we? But uh, what we have entered into is the post-pandemic uncertainty that we didn't anticipate. And so when you look at that future of digital services and, and where governments are going, you know, they they really do need to, you know, step into that gap, step into addressing and developing the services that are needed. And what we saw was some agility, both in procurement in deployment, we saw some innovation uh, in uh, the kind of applications that got rolled out. Um, we saw some business re-engineering. Hey, hey, rather than have them come into the office to complete a process, that's not possible. So let's re-engineer our processes. So there was a tremendous amount of proven uh, transformation in a very compressed amount of time that was, uh, a breath of fresh air, honestly, and so we don't want to lose that. You know, I don't think I don't think government does. I don't think our uh, we as citizens and constituents want to. And so, you know, I think we all really need to take a look and say, what did we learn? What can we keep? And what can we continue to move forward
0: with? Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go next, Paul. What do you tell clients and potential clients? When they ask you, how do we maintain the momentum? I mean, just about every federal official I talk to says we've accomplished over the last two years what it would have taken us five to 10 years to accomplish without the pandemic. Not that the pandemic was good, but there's a silver lining in this really big, dark cloud. And. I imagine trying to maintain that momentum and continue to drive that change. And, and the business re-engineering is, I imagine a big piece of that, but what do you tell somebody who's at that phase, who's thinking, okay, if we are out of this, I want to keep this momentum going even though we're not still dealing with the pandemic problems.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's a couple of factors absolutely. We want to maintain the momentum of innovation and um, deploying of services and, and creativity and uh, one of the things that we saw was uh, streamlined procurement. You know, we saw amazing you know, um, things done in time of need that says, hey, we need to roll things out and we need to get uh, companies and, and uh, technology under contract and get it deployed. That, that's a hard one to solve you know, long term because uh, we want to make sure that you know, the procurement processes are fair and equitable and get the best price and best product for the government. But we always need to take a look at that and say, are we falling behind? Are we not delivering at the pace we want to do to that? And what can we do about it? The, the other thing is that um, I think that what the technology showed and kind of proved out, you know, I think up until the pandemic, there was a lot of promises. There was a lot of aspirational goals around the technology, whether it be cloud or platforms. And um they had never been really proven, right? And in the t- in the crunch time, when, when the pandemic hit, uh, what do you know? They they, they worked. Right? You could deploy uh, contact tracing, vaccine management, grants management in days and weeks. Unprecedented, unheard of in government IT or any IT. That would not have been possible 10 years ago. You know, it would have been like, hey, we got to go buy a bunch of stuff, build it, assemble it, uh, test it, and deploy it. So that momentum and that you know, kind of bi- technology model really proved out. And, and so I think we can definitely run with that uh, from a speed and agility standpoint. And then the, you know, the procurement decision-making kind of needs to keep pace.
0: I mentioned the four takeaways and uh, the the one that I mentioned, global crises, increased digital demands. Uh, the others were trust as the foundation of government business, technology powers the trust transformation. And the fourth one I wanted to ask you about too, Paul, investment in the employee experience pays off for everyone. What kind of investment should agencies be thinking about making for their employees today?
1: Yeah, well, it, you know, when you think we've talked a lot about trust, Francis, in, in our time, and you know, you can put technology in, you can provide, you know, that consistency, competency, transparency through technology to the, to the customer. But there is an employee behind that, right? When we think about our best, most trusted uh, relationships or engagements with a bank, a retailer, a government, there's an amazing employee behind it that has a little bit of latitude that can say, Francis, you know what? You know, you're such a good customer, you've been so consistent, let me see what I can do for you, I have, I have the tools in front of me, I can see your history, I can see your profile, I can see that you're trusted, I can see that you're a good customer, so let me do something out of the ordinary, uh, let me expedite it, let me get you to the right person. Um, and then you walk away. I walk away from that experience, going, "These people are amazing. That organization's amazing." And so, the employee experience—the most satisfied employees are the ones that can do the most amazing work possible on behalf of their customer. Right? That's when you walk away at the end of the day, going, "I love my job. I was able to be effective, and I made a difference." And so, sometimes, you know, sometimes that isn't possible because, shoot, I'm, I'm in a box as an employee. I have very limited range of data, visibility, um, access to tools that can help. And therefore, I can't really make some decisions or recommendations that I would like to. And so um, you know bring you know bringing in that technology, that transparency both for the employee as well as the customer just, you know, kind of brings it all together for that experience. It's not about, you know, uh, is their help desk any good? It's about have you empowered them to do the best work of their lives when they're serving? you know, their customers.
0: Paul Tatum, great conversation as always. Thanks for coming on the program today.
1: Great. Thank you, Francis. Good talking to you.